morning, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This is episode 102. This is an interview episode and I'd right off the bat just want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading or streaming or however you, you ingest this this podcast. It means a great deal to me. There is a, a wealth of podcasts out there. It's the old thing about everybody was writing a novel. Everybody's uh, doing a podcast. Everybody has a podcast show. There's tons on just metal alone, and that's fantastic. It's not a thing that I think is, oh, that's taken up too much space. There's, there's, there's not enough space for everybody's podcast. There's, there's enough space for everybody. You should Everybody should try and do a podcast about something that they enjoy and they like talking about. Everybody should do it. If you're doing a metal one, I'd like to come on it and tell you how much I, <laughs> I enjoy metal, but Ed, there's room for all, and everybody should do one. To get to 102 episodes is, is still mind-blowing to me, and it's thanks to people like yourselves that, that download it and listen and enjoy and give me great feedback as well. Recently, I've just put up some stuff about other people I want to interview and the community, and there is a community out there now, amazingly. Uh, people that listen to the show have fed back and, and suggested some great people to get on the show and things we should top, topics we should look at and talk about and things that I should do with the show in, in itself, in of itself as well. Some great ideas, some 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 great ideas. The last show, uh, episode one hundred and one, with uh, Andy Hughes talking about Death Wave Metal to the Masses and uh, the Way of the Axes new project has been has been really greatly received in so much as the his GoFundMe project for that is now a quarter of a way funded which is it's only just been launched it's like ridiculously that's excellent just shows the strength of the community and more importantly the strength of his convictions and his ideas that he had behind that gonna go listen back to that that was episode 101 with andy hughes and we'll definitely get andy back on again to see how that that project's going later on this week i'll be returning to guest lecture at uh, liverpool university um i did that back you can listen to that episode on episode 70 and which was a hell of a lot of fun. And I've been asked back again. Hopefully, I'll be able to record this in one way or another. If I can't, that'll be the way it is. Hopefully, I'll be able to record that in one way or, or another so you can hear that. And that's great because I'm talking about the the power of metal, you know, uh, what, why I chose metal and things, I, how important it is to, to me to my life and podcasting as well as a, as a methods of free free speech. And that's really something that, that's absolutely you know, a, a pivotal thing about what we're, we're we're trying to do with this with this podcast uh, as a whole. Um, there's been talk again of uh, maybe doing another Liverpool Metal uh, Music Conference. You can listen back to that one. On it's nice to do this, isn't it? It's nice to go. You can listen to these particular episodes of things that we've actually done and achieved to prove that they, they, they can be done and there is an interest for them. That was episode fifty eight, the uh, Liverpool Metal Music Conference, and I think. We should probably do one of them once a year where we talk about our local scene and what's going on and what we're doing and how we can support local bands and how we can support local promoters and scenes and venues and help you know foster a better community that, that helps each other and helps the, the, the metal and music as a whole be, be produced and, and kept alive. You know that we we, we don't fall by the, by the wayside and lose some of these great venues, some of these great people that work at these venues and operate these venues and these fantastic bands and we nurture a community where a young band can come up through it and have a place to play and be heard and listened to and as i've talked about numerous times uh, how how important that is so i think that that will be something that's coming up something that we'll 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 certainly we'll certainly put them into into play very soon the talk has now come back because we're at the end of this covid thing now we can start to talk about live shows and again 
the, the, the conversation has begun about the Spoken Metal Show Live, which, which will happen, who knows when, but it will happen. And now I'm in, in talks now, uh, much moved along talks about venues and how what exactly that will look like. And there's some really nice ideas we, we, I've put forward to various venues about what, what they may what, may look like. Um, the, the, we were very close to that before we went into the pandemic. And it, it, we were steps away from it, if, if, if I'm honest with you. So it shouldn't be ta- take too long for that to come back on board again. But it's all about the timing of stuff when we can go back into venues and, and do that type of thing. So that's the, that's kind of where we are right now with, with the live show, both either doing as a, uh, the metal conference and the spoken metal show live, which I'll theme in some way thematically. So it's uh, it's it, it it involves where we can have guests and a, a multitude of guests. No one just wants to hear me talk. Um, it, with that in mind, the the next guest um, on this show is a gentleman who I've known a, a long, long time. Certainly, as long as I've been going to to metal shows in in and around the northwest, been on the same bill with him on a, on a number of number of t- times. If you had to put together, you know, your 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 best metal band from round here here, or certainly where I come from, and this gentleman will will pretty much go in your shortlist of vocalists because he's superb voice superb i mean live the, the man's crazy it's just a you know a ball of, of energy i've never seen so much someone with so much energy and and then your off stage is just it's the super nice guy you know great sense of humor a really warm human being who, who, who truly just believes in, in the music and the arts and and metal and and has a true real love for it and lovely self-depreciating humor and you know, it totally doesn't take himself seriously. But he is definitely one of those guys that you you look at and go, well, you know, we need to be seeing more of him play. And his band, and this will give away who it is if you haven't already seen by the title, his band Oceanus have got some new music coming out, or well, has come out in flesh has come out now. But there's going to be a scene music being released thereafter, which we go into on the show. Um, but for me, uh, I waited a, a while to get hold of him because he's a very busy gentleman. But it's definitely some people will be saying, when are you getting there? When are you getting this guy on the show? Well, we're getting him on the show right the fuck now. Ladies and gentlemen, and I always say this, don't I, whenever, because I've been hunting for people. Finally, Joe Marangi on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it seems only fitting as they this particular artist and band have a, a, a new track out, which has been a bit of a while, a bit of a way forward. So we're really excited to hear it. It made perfect sense, because I've been waiting to get this person on for ages, to get my friend Joe on. Uh, from Oceanus. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Joe Mianji from Oceanus. I mean, bugger to what the show. That? Thank you very much, man. Thank you very much. Christ, we've known each other a while, haven't we? Um, it is indeed. Done a couple of things together as well, man. One or two things, yeah. One or two things. Uh, I mean, we'll get into Oceanus. We'll get into that, and we'll get into the new stuff as well, inevitably, because that's what a lot of people have been there uh, asking me about, and 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 we've been talking about it on various bits and pieces. It's it's really doing well from a streaming point of view. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. But as always, I like to kind of start whatever the beginning is. Tends to be when you first hear music of any kind, metal, any kind, when's the first time you hear music? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So first time I heard, well, so my family like to have a couple of parties. I would say, (laughs) I would they like to have a party. Um, yeah. I mean, mum in particular does love a dance. So um, I think that, that 
yeah, at least once a week there was some sort of family gathering or friends gathering, which we all went to, and everyone would get up and dance. Um, so my dad is from Iran, so you get you go to a load of Iranian parties, they'll dance around to Iranian music. Um, so there was a big influence of that growing up. So I was listening to a lot of Iranian music, a lot of ABBA, and a lot of Gypsy Kings. Um, and that was my pretty much my staple until I was about maybe about nine nine eight nine or ten and then um and yeah and then coming into the metal the heavier side of it now it's a bit i wouldn't say embarrassing i think everyone's <laughs> first kind of i think everyone's oh we first got plenty kind of, of early bands who have been embarrassing it's cool you're amongst friends well, I, no, well yeah so i think i would say like my first foray into heavier music so i know i look a little bit older but i'm 31 so I first got into heavy music, I'd say, in like 1999, 2000. And it was in um, the Great Homer Street Market. There used to be a guy that sold knockoff CDs and knockoff VHS tapes. <laughs> and um, I think I, I remember at the time, um, I think The Undertaker had just come back as the American badass. Right. And his his theme tune was rolling. Wasn't it? And so I remember... Live biscuit, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was in two thousand. That was in two thousand, two thousand and one. Prior to that, I just don't want to say it. I think the first proper kind of <laughs> rock alternative album I bought was probably "Come Clean" by Puddle of Mud. Um, but that was at the time. At the time, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody wasn't uh, listening to music then or, or wasn't aware of this, then that song and that album and Wes was was huge with absolutely exploded the whole it was off the back of um of like kind of Limp Bizkit and Core. it was after that they kind of they, they kind of opened the door and Puddle of Mud came through and uh, what was that other band called ah oh, I can't remember the other band that was involved with with uh, Fred Durst and um and they all kind of came through and they were absolutely fucking huge mate mate to come clean so I still throw it on from time to time. It's a banger album. <laughs> it's, as they it's say, a it's a banger. Bang. He's maybe it's a, a little bit not so much. He, he's not, Wes isn't doing so good. Uh, um, he hasn't covered himself in glory, really. These not days, at all. I, I know a few people who've told him and have said it, 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 it's it's a, it's an interesting tour. Um, yeah. Yeah. With him. <laughs> I, I, just, to be nice, he's got, he, he has a few issues and, and it doesn't help when you do really bad Nirvana covers uh, for, your, for your legacy. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, they were, it's not good that though is it and the thing is I think it, it hadn't that cover been transposed down a couple of tones as well and he still couldn't hit the notes still couldn't hit it I think yeah yeah <laughs> when, but, um, one of my friends one of my friends Massey he's uh, Iranian as well and he talks yeah. about music in the household and stuff is it like a was it a, a sing-along type of thing or was it was it instrumental type of stuff, that type of music that you were hearing um, at the very beginnings? No, a lot. So so, so a little bit about Iranian music as well. So by because of his especially pro um pro-revolution, so pro seventy-nine and through censorship, um anything released post seventy-nine, they they only have they're only really allowed to talk and sing about set things, which generally tend to be like celebrations or birthdays or mournful stuff with death. Mm. So um, there, there's not really a lot of leeway in terms of um, 
in terms of expression. So the music kind of has to do that. And because it is very much a culture that likes to dance and likes to get up and have a sing-along as well. Well, you're, um, you, metal's completely covered that. You can only talk yeah, about yeah. celebrations and death. Yeah. Fucking, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's yeah. metal done. Yeah. Yeah. So, was, so, it, um, so was it like, was it, was it largely traditional songs then you were hearing? What songs seems from uh, over and over again throughout, like, your family? Kind of, yeah. But there was still, like, you know, proper... 80s bangers, you know, Iranian <laughs> bangers, like, you know, so, I mean, I'll send you some of the stuff, actually. It's it's it's, 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 it's proper. All proper 80s tease, stuff, but, um, it's easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, 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 so growing up with that kind of stuff, it's, it, you, you are, because it's quite a, a communal culture as well, you do want to, there is, just as I say, a lot of fucking parties. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of socialising yeah. stuff, and I imagine, it, is there an element of, like, Certainly when I went to like my family parties, if there was someone who could uh, play an instrument or sing a song or do a turn of some kind, they would do that. Would you um, have that? Well, not really. So so um, I think from my, from my English side, at least, they were, my granddad picked up guitar. Kind mm. of, He played a little bit when he was younger and he picked it up later in life. And so like, when we go around, we kind of play. He'd, mm. he'd, he'd play like Fats Domino and... Oh, yeah. um, and play a bit of the animals as well. Uh, play a bit of play a bit of Elvis. Um, but in terms of the Iranian stuff, not really, not really. But I think as I got a little bit older, and like some of like my dad's mates' kids got a bit older, they started, they started <laughs> doing this like um, this like Iranian DJ, but MCing. So Iranian MCing, and it's okay. horrendous. <laughs> it's, it's it's horrendous. But when you like like you go to someone's house. And there'd be, you know, a party there with like 30, 40, 50 people. And in someone's small cramped living room, someone have set up like a really shit controller yes. with, with speakers. And then yeah. you get this young Iranian guy just fucking emceeing over the top of it in Farsi. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's emceeing in Farsi and stuff. And that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, so it's, it segued really nicely into being a death metal frontman. Of course it did. Of course, it did. this all makes people sitting there now will be able to piece your entire chronologically together. Like, yeah. So, you do, do, in a society and, and in sort of things where it was there was stuff you couldn't sing about because I know a lot of bands when they travel to different countries, sometimes they get their set list sort of vetoed. So you can't sing that song and you can't yeah. sing, sing sing whatever. That's it. I mean. Was there much exposure to, to, to rock and stuff like that? Was it even of that kind? Um, even just rock like ACDC or something like that? Well, I mean, you got I mean, I was I wasn't born around, I was born over here. Um, right. but in terms of like the music taste, it, it didn't really have much variation from what I was being exposed to really. I think maybe maybe my sisters were the ones that had maybe kind of give me kind of exposed to a bit more music but that was especially like early 90s yeah. kind of michael jackson and and um and kind of the 90s r&b stuff which which i'd get the hand-me-down cassette tapes and i'd listen to on my own cassette listen to like fucking ricky martin and um <laughs> yeah in my room thinking i was dead cool listening to will smith as well i think in that first <laughs> in 1994 when uh, that album came out with um so, yeah, it, in terms of the censorship side of it, no. But um, I know there's actually quite a big, um, a big reggae scene in Iran. So wow. with reggae being, yeah, so with reggae being, um, 
musical revolution because mm. it's always been it's it's all you find that countries which have quite a an oppressive regime reggae tends to be quite popular yeah um, it's a, it's so a it's, sound of revolution to, to some isn't yeah. it it's a very much a sound of an yeah. underground scene yeah yeah i mean some would argue that metal is is that as well that you would you can find that in metal. Yeah. a lot of communities will will be away i mean there's there's a lot of uh, there's those guys in in egypt who are, who are in the, the metal band and they there's been a documentary about them what have you and that's a fascinating insight to kind of mm-hmm. simply just putting a gig on or getting a place to practice in somewhere like egypt is is incredibly difficult because of the all about boundaries and the problems you have because these are like you know in some cases war-torn countries like it's 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 absolutely mind-boggling yeah i think um yeah no that's a, that's a yeah, pretty good point um but also you got to remember like i think when there is issues especially with uh, maybe somewhere like the middle east as well because of the they're not exposed so much to western music it's almost like the kind of the early 60s of when heavy music first started being being you know being assimilated by the public and people didn't really understand what they were listening to and it took a long time for it to catch up yeah. so it's kind of small pockets of stuff so I don't, there's a few there's a few Iranian metal bands that I've listened to and they're not great <laughs> See, no, that's the that's the thing. They're, that's, not, they're not great. That's the thing that no one wants to talk about. It's like, okay, there's a new metal band from, uh, you know, from Korea or whatever, and they're like, oh well, we've got to give them a chance because we've got to support metal from all over the world. But it turns out they're not very good, and it's like, oh yeah. god, I wish they were amazing because they're, they're from this area that suppressed them and and stopped them from being what they are. And you think, oh, this, it'll be a minute, this explosion of aggression, and they're not that great. Oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, but it's like, so the stuff I listen to, it's some of it's like the stuff that I was involved with writing when I was like 13 or 14, yeah. where you didn't really move out of naught, five, three and one on your riffs and that's it. And everything was just, that, and that was, that was, that was because, it. Because <laughs> these, these countries that are kind of a little bit behind musically where, where the, some other countries are, um, they've got to go through all that shit to get to good bands. They've got to kind of go, yeah, yeah, go through yeah. being bad to, to, to eventually be good. So, I mean, listen, we go from a, that topic to a, a, to really heavy topics now. <coughs> so how do you find Puddle of Mud? Is it from, are you watching videos then? Are you seeing uh, on, on things um, like uh, Metal Ham, or, uh, sorry, Headbangers Ball and, and, and Noisy wow. Mothers and those type of programs? How are you going, okay, I'm going to seek out that? I don't, um, I mean, to be honest with you, I can't quite remember, but like, I do, I do remember like, I used to watch, I'm trying to think, like, I used to watch a lot of like extreme sports TV and shit like that. And so right, there's right. always like the heavy, you know, but well, like literally as a kid, so I watched like the X Games when I was, or the World Ballers stuff that was on there anyway. Yeah. Um, and there was always like segments of music and stuff on there. And I don't know whether Blurry or something was on it. Right. I remember being like, oh, and then, and then remember the well, God, I, don't, I, was, I really like that. And then going into like HMV with my mum or something like that. And I got it to buy it for me. But I do remember actually, quite a funny story. I remember <laughs> when, I, when I did, when I did get that, um, when I did get a chocolate starfish, I must right. have been about, I think about 10. I was in, I think I was in year six coming into 
coming into um, into senior school. And I remember I bought the album, but it was obviously knockoff printed on some shit paper with a white disc <laughs> written in biscuit. And um, so I got, <laughs> got it home. She was like, "So I want to make, I want to know what you're listening to." So I want oh, to listen. I was like, "Okay." So I obviously put it on, and then obviously Hot Dog comes on, which is like it's the like, first track, isn't it? Button. Yeah, and it's like yeah, it it's just no to second track. Or- yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, and he just swears, but basically the probably is, all yeah. of it. It's the, if I say fuck two more times, <laughs> fucks and it's fucked up, Brad. Yeah. And so, so she's like, what the fuck? So then she takes the disc out, puts it back in. And I remember we went back to Great Over Street Market the next Shit. week. And yeah, yeah. And, and she's think, like, yeah. what the fuck are you peddling this filth to my child? No, 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 no. She gives me the CD, but she was like, go and find that fella and go and take that CD back right now. And I'm like, all right. It's- so then, but as I'm walking down, I'd seen the fella's scarper because the fella, the cops were the, the police were coming. Because he's, he's selling the, moody CDs and he's been, yeah, he's selling, he's been, yeah. yeah. He's like, get all this stuff in it. And he's running down the road. And then we do a lap of Great Over Street Market and I see him sat in the van. And obviously I come up to him with the CD and I was like, hey mate, I bought this CD off you last week. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, oh, no, you didn't buy it for me, but you didn't buy it for me. He's like, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you take it back to your mom and you go see Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get to keep yeah, the CD. I've still got, but I've still got it. I've still got I the CD. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> True rebellion. True rebellion. Rebellious music. Yeah. That's exactly. What, I'm pretty sure that's what Fred Durst would have wanted. How someone would have wanted to find that that album. I'm pretty sure. So then you're listening to that, and then did you? Was it like a spidergram? Like we like we often people talk about where you go. Okay, I like that, so I'll go and listen to Corn or whatever it may be. The offshoot yeah. sorts of bands. Is that what happened? Well, I think yeah. I think and then uh, I think what happened was I started senior school and over like that summer. I was listening to to Limp Bizkit and I was listening to Huddle Mud and stuff coming into senior school. And then when I started senior school, it was like the guys and like they're all still my best mates now. Um, we sat there in class and we all kind of realised we all liked a bit of heavier music. Right. And so then when we were first all allowed out to go to town to meet each other on like a Saturday, or we, I think we all went in with our parents and met up in like in like the in in music zone or some or in. <laughs> or Virgin Records or something. I can't remember where we met up. Um, I think I had like 20 quid. I was like, I saved up my pocket money and it was like, buy five CDs for 20 quid. Oh. So I think, so I think like, what did I buy? I bought Mechanical Animals. Um, Manson, yeah, yeah. Marilyn, Marilyn Manson. I bought yeah. Obsolete by Fear, Fear Factory. Factory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh shit, what else did I buy? I can't remember. Um, and so then that was like, uh, no, I don't know, I think I got Toxicity. Did oh, I get yeah, Toxicity? You, or, might I got, or might I got self-titled? I think I got self-titled. But about, yeah, about that time, down. would have been, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and then maybe, did I get Hybrid Theory? I don't think I got Hybrid Theory. I got something else. I can't remember what it was, but like they were like my core CDs yeah, that I yeah. listened to to death. Um, and then... And then obviously they was those when when Kazar, Bear Share, and LimeWire first started coming out. And so like you start like, okay, so you start, you know, putting these bands in and getting these like kind of accidentally downloading a load of other tracks by another band, being like, oh, who the fuck are these? Yeah. So you download them and then you know, for yeah, those that was when you could get away with it, really. Um well, this is the you know, this is the like the, the thing that was that's often leveled against piracy and all that type of thing. Is it like, oh well, 
you know, it's, it's bad for the musician and or whatever it may be. But one of the things that no one ever really talks about is it got you into other bands because you didn't have to yeah. pay for it. So you're like, well, you know what? I'll just download that album and give it a listen. And, you know, um, That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Rollins says, you know, he said he'd rather be listened to than, than not. So he's like, you know, if you want to pirate me stuff, it's probably not a very good business strategy, I guess. But he's like, if you want to, I'd rather be heard than not heard. Um, and I suppose yeah. that, yeah, I wonder how many people got into bands from stuff that they did, they, they downloaded, you know what I mean? And, 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 and are now fans for that band forever because they, they, they're good, Oh, yeah. Without, you know? without, but it was a mix of, it was definitely a mix of that. And then there was, in terms of discovering bands, it was a mix of that. And then one of the big ones that I used to do, was as well as like looking in the back of Kerrang magazine and seeing who was touring and whatever, or looking at the back of Metal Hammer and whatever. There was, do you remember the, the ticket box office at the bottom of St. John's? It's still there. And you've got like, the, it still there? yeah, it's still there. So they've got like the, these boards up and they'll, they'll, they'll just list, they list stuff for like the Manchester Academy and, and everywhere. And, and at the time, the Brixton Academy, and it lists them all up. And, and you would go yeah. up and go, fucking hell. Because you, you, the internet I, wasn't massive then and, and information wasn't as you know now you, the minute someone says the tour and you can find out straight away your phone blows up and you know the tour and it's 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 almost impossible to hide but back then it was like a, a secret like almost it's yeah. tour and it, it'd be like oh fuck and one of the ways you would find out is ladies and gentlemen and for people listening not in not in this country in liverpool uh, in the city center there was there's a, there's this huge sort of spire that you'll have seen on 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 all the pictures of liverpool just kind of to the side of that there's like a big box office and it was where you go believe it or not ladies and gentlemen boys and girls to buy tickets physical tickets to <laughs> to shows and you would have to fucking queue up as well you would have to queue up and you would go sometimes you would go sometimes with a bit of money not knowing who was going to talk and you would go, yeah, go yeah. oh shit beer factory at tour and blah 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 and so and so were playing the uh the royal court back then and and you would find these bands and it would tell and it'd be like a a, a a a sort of like a day out for me i'd go I'd go and be like yeah. see who's playing and just buy tickets and they had coaches put on and stuff it was fabulous oh yeah it fabulous. but it was that and like you, when you go you look at the band they band the bands that were touring and obviously most of you never really heard of you look at me going that sounds like a metal band I think that's a metal band <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and then you go into and then you go and try and find a CD and then you buy the CD and you're like oh they are in that band like, oh, I'll buy a ticket for it then. Um, but some of the shows I went to up and buying buying tickets from there because I remember I think the first because I've been to a couple of shows I've been to a couple of gigs because um, I think the first proper gig gig not a heavy gig but the first proper gig I went to was um, was Eminem's first anger management tour wow. in I think 2001, which was so it was Eminem, Cypress Hill, D12, and Exhibit yeah. in Milton Keynes, which is yeah. some fucking show. Some now, show. I mean, even even then, it, it, that that was a big show. But now, with what all those people have all gone into, and essentially all of them have yeah. gone into like the the hip hop hall of fame, if you will. That was huge. And he was huge. Yeah. Eminem was absolutely huge. Oh, he um, was amazing. And I remember, I remember, as a, just as a quick sidebar, I remember, I can't remember what video it was for. That's how fucking good it was. I can't remember how good it was. The, the video was, was but um, one of the lines in the song said, uh, he, they blamed it on Marilyn. And Marilyn Manson showed up in his video. And as a metalhead, then oh, watching yeah. it, I was like, fucking hell, Marilyn Manson showed yeah. up in his hip hop guy's video. I was, my mind was blown. He crossed yeah. a lot of boundaries. He you know, did. Of, he did. I know, 100% completely. And watching, watch, but watching him live was was great. Was but that then, the one uh, where he came out 
with the chainsaw at the beginning. He did, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I he, remember he that did, was, it was a it. fucking image. Like. It was, so he, he, it was like a Ferris, so was it because there was like a Ferris wheel on stage as well from what I can remember. But I do remember Cypress Hill coming out with like a big six foot long spliff and at like, <laughs> at like 11 there's years a, old. There's, like, an, oh there's an interesting act, like, because everybody listened to yeah. Black Sunday. All, all, when I was younger, then I heard Black Sunday and that was like my first exposure to why, you know, uh, drugs should be legalised and the Declaration of Independence being written on hemp and all these mad things yeah. that they put in my mind. But then they... They kind of transitioned over to being doing metal stuff, and he did like yeah. really heavy stuff as well. It was we'll look crazy. At, we'll, we'll look at um, look at body count, ICT yeah. and body count. You know, yeah, yeah, Jesus, so, yeah, yeah. So there's there's the, I mean the crossover was massive. I think obviously the very first rock rap crossover was was it was Bring the Noise, wasn't Anthrax? Yeah, um, and, you, and you had to, and obviously Run DMC uh, uh, and yeah. that type, type of thing, and then and then it moved through to like sort of you know. The, the biohazard and and doing stuff on on uh, on uh, the judgment night TPs and things like that. There was yeah. some, and I think this comes up a lot on the show, um, especially with some of the the sort of the guys from more pop and rap based things that I talk to. Is that the, the, the same energies exist? That, that's why it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. energy. It's the same energy when Eminem comes out with a fucking chainsaw as when fucking. Clown hits the fucking drum with the barrel. It's, it's that mm. same raw energy. And you and how old are you at this time? How are you? Uh, are you uh, going to this show? No, but say, oh, go to that. I was about. I was. I was. So I was. I was eleven. Jesus I went, Christ! Yeah, yeah. So I went with. I went with my sister. With yeah. my sister, but my sister was a medical. Was she a medical student or just qualified as a doctor? And she was with all of her doctor mates. And let's be <laughs> honest, they were. They were all fucking gimps as well. So I was like, <laughs> so I was with a bunch. I could do like Sri like Lanka. She was like Sri Lanka and a Malaysian. One of them was was South African. And my sister and her me. <laughs> like it was such a bizarre mix of people going to the show. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, uh, I was going to say then the yeah. The sort of thing was like with rap and metal. Um, I think I've, I've done a couple of, of, of these kind of things before. And one of the things I've, I've brought up a few times is um, they tend to be the music of the kids that were a little bit bullied in school, and so yeah. it was the way it was the way that you kind of you, you have your own out, your own kind of like, oh, this is my thing that no one else mm. can touch. And so yeah. rap, I think rap and and, and hip hop, especially in the earlier days, and then metal coming definitely into the nineties and into the early two thousands. Um, definitely was that so it's almost like the kindred spirit yeah well, uh, it's like rap rap is cele- celebrates the underdog you know it celebrates the, the single person you know empowering yourself and looking after yourself and and you know and, and taking care of your family and taking care of your friends and picking up yourself and being confident and that's the, it's sim- exactly the same deal in metal it's like it's all about you know, looking after yourself self-reliance looking after your metal family there's a lot of a lot of connections, a lot of crossovers. And like you say, you know, if you if you have, you know, if you are bullied and things like that, that can be a welcoming set of arms that to, to just to just get gets right hold of you straight away. And people you know, need to remember when when you're young, especially like 12, 13, 14, you're this absolute sponge for 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 yeah. information and, and music. You absolutely voracious appetite. So you start listening to, to this and you have that clutch of CDs. Was it a particular yeah. artist that started to become more yours, if you know what I mean? Like a particular person, you were like, I'm listening yeah. to everything they're doing now. Yeah, so, I've, I mean, I think 
with everyone, everyone has those different phases of their life where they kind of like spend five to 10 years kind of like obsessing with one artist and mm. move on to another, move on to another. And so I think definitely when that earlier time was definitely system of a down, right? definitely say that. And um, especially with um, the toxicity, um, the self-titled album. Um, and then when Steelers album came out, I thought it was again brilliant. Didn't we just wasn't really a fan of Hypnotize and Mesmerize? I know everyone thinks that's mm. the best albums, but for me, mm, no, I'd, I'd, I'd go with that. I mean, it was, I remember Toxicity coming out. Um, I remember mm. like Steelers album, I remember the, the, but when Toxicity came out, it was so different. It was so, yeah, so from the <clears> left <throat> field because of Armenian influences mm. and folk influences and why it was so, it was. It was hilarious. It was actually funny. It was the first time I remember, like, almost laughing out loud when I heard bits yeah. of because we're like, what's that rhythm? Where's that coming from? And it was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you hadn't heard anything like it. It was hilarious. I mean, this goes all the way back to, like, spiders and things like that and sugar. But when Toxicity came out, it was it was such a melting pot. It was unbelievable. And it probably scared the shit out of a lot of uh, more established metal bands. Um, you know, where they, I like, agree with you, that. You could, you could, you know, you, you're really going to have to, you know, it was a bar. It, it was like hybrid theory. Hybrid theory is another example of it where a very clear line set where it's like, look, you can do this. You can mix this in with that music and, and look at the quality that you can get from it. Like it was, it was superb. And then I remember seeing them live for, for, for their tour and, and everything matched as well. There was a, 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 a whole live show and a political rhetoric that, that matched the whole thing. And it was just such a, a complete idea were you going to shows fairly regularly then or what would you say oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i was um <clears throat> i think i was quite fortunate because my mum and dad did they let me hang out um they let me go out quite a lot and i think uh going to gigs and getting picked up and, and whatnot and going to manchester i think i started going to manchester for shows and i was about all by myself on a train maybe when i was about 13 ish um so I mean, I actually recently went back to my mum and dad's and had a little look through one of my old cupboards um, and I found a couple of boxes just absolutely packed full of tickets. Mm. And I must have been going to at least two two shows a week to like the either like to the academy in Manchester you could, or in you, Liverpool. Could, you could do that. You could go to like the... You had the academy and stuff and Rebellion and places like that and, and, mm. and the Deaf Institute and things like that. And you could do two or three gigs uh, a week easily. You could easily do oh, that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people. I mean, if you think about that time, was so um, was so sort of virulent with with great bands coming through, uh, like we yeah. say, you know, System and stuff, uh, and, and Lincoln Park and this whole host of bands coming through, playing pl- playing probably their best stuff at, the, at that time. And you could, I mean, you don't get it so much now, and you certainly don't get it so much now. But it was like a real, I think. Looking back on it, that period was 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 pretty uh, pretty intense in terms of what was coming out. Everybody was, oh, was re- stride almost at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think I think about some of the acts that I went and seen, especially there's one show that always sticks out as like for me like the pinnacle of shows. And I think it, it, I think it was the first gig I went to at the Liverpool Academy, which was headlining. So it was it was. Um, it was Kill Switch Engage, Chimera, Shadows Fall, and God forbid. Yeah, so that as a lineup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
what a gig. And like Chimera, I remember, I never really heard much of Chimera. Yeah. And I remember, and like, it just kind of changed my life. I was like, wow, this is angry fucking music, this. Ah, I'm was gonna, it, was, wasn't, this. It, wasn't a noticeable sort of light bulb moment when it was like, no, this, this is what I really like. This well, now, was it? Well, it kind of, yeah. It seems like it like, was circling it. And that kind of crystallised well, it to a certain There was a bit of that, but I think, you know, the, I think anyone who knows me, even though I'm wearing today, I'm wearing sacrifice today, um, anyone who kind of knows me that for the last, like, 10 years or so is, like, my uniform is generally Mastodon. Like, I tend to live in Mastodon yeah, T-shirts. For the most part, because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. Um, and um, I think I remember seeing Mastodon on, it was a, they were on the Leviathan tour, um, and they were on the Un- Unholy Alliance tour, which did not slay a hate breed and the Mastodon open for yeah. them in the MEN. And um, I remember just get just arrived at the MEN as Mastodon were playing. I understood there in the queue and I turned around to <laughs> I swear to them and these are fucking shit, these. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and a genuine. So it was even funny. So like, it was on the Leviathan tour, and it wasn't until like we got home and I thought, all right, I'll give him a proper go. Started listening to Leviathan, and now I mean, I've got the logo for Leviathan tattooed <laughs> on the back of my ear. Like, and it was on that tour that I thought you were fucking awful. And um, it's yeah, funny. It's actually, quite a lot of people's reactions to Mastodon when they first kind of swung round. I'm talking before Blood and Thunder and so and, and all that mm. type of thing. When they first kind of swung around, a lot of people were like, "No, it's it's a little too progressive." You know, yes, yeah. there's some riffs there, but there's not enough hooks. It was seemed to, to it was like when Tool first kind of starts come to prominence. Yeah. People were like, I, I, yeah, it's, yeah. "It's not as accessible to me," and um, you know, and, and it took a while to break it down. And then obviously, people didn't realize there was some great stuff going on there. But it took a little bit of a beat for people to get into them. I don't know anybody who immediately yeah. heard Master on. I'm like, that's the ones there for me. Well, it takes a well, little especially bit. live, yeah, yeah especially yeah. live because like. I've seen, I've seen, obviously, I've seen Mastodon a hell of a lot live. Yeah. And there's only a handful of times where I can really say, like, they have been unbelievable. Yeah. They've always been great, but there's always, there's always been an issue. Mm. Um, so, I, and that's something I know that, in, especially in recent years, they really, really tried. Um, they've gone into different sort of um, rehearsals for for playing live. Um, for, for the for, to get the stamina back up, especially vocally, it's always been vocal that these have let themselves down a little bit. But in recent years, as I say, that it has been it has been fucking top draw. But back then, oh yeah, it was because it was the angrier, more thrashy side to what they were doing. So it mm-hmm. was with like the rem- it's a remission, and uh, they'd only been out for a couple of years, and then Levi- and then, blood- and, um, then Leviathan had come out. So it was still like the earlier horrible ish sound, still obviously quite you know proggy and in and in its in its in what they're trying to do, but. Um, it, uh, yeah, just it always makes me laugh thinking back to that when I remember when they were <laughs> initially you didn't, you didn't. and now, <laughs> yeah, and, and I am now like the absolute super fan. Um, but they, but they for me, yeah, so I remember listening to them and being like absolutely blown away. And then around the same time, so I think 2006 was when it came out, was when sort of septic flesh. Remember listening to, um, we were, I think, watching Kerrang or Scuds or some shit, and I remember Communion, um. The album had come out, and there was a song called Sangreal, which um, you know I, I remember just listening to that, and I remember just being in a mate's house. So, so the band I was in when I was I started being with the band. Actually, I'll take, actually, take a little step back in the conversation. So when I said <laughs> when, yeah, um, so when I said when I started school, the guys who were all sat at the desks, you know, kind of next to each other, the five of us decided to start a band, um, and 
we used to practice in the guitarist Matt's house because uh, his brother was also in a band uh, called the General Public. Great name for a band. <laughs> what, was, um, what was the name of that? Your band, though? What was the name of that band? So we were, so we were called The Institution. How? Straight name. Fuck, that's The Institution. Yeah. Shit, that's I played, I played yeah. on sets with you guys. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, that was The Institution. Yeah. Okay. That was it. So we started, but we started when we were 11. And we practiced in the guitarist house and his dad is a vicar. So we practiced in the vicarage behind the church in Hellwood. And we practiced on a Sunday morning when he was doing sermons and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, so like we you had to walk through a graveyard to get to the house and then we practiced in the house. So you couldn't get more fucking mail. Um, and then I remember, I remember playing off our first ever show. Like it wasn't it. Well, yeah, the first time we played live, it wasn't a gig. It was a back a school battle of the bands and it was in the school chapel and we played on the altar of the chapel playing heavy yeah, bands that's, 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 that's <laughs> proper metal yeah um but and are you, you know, are you one. singing at this point or are you singing and playing an instrument yeah. or, okay well i think when i think when i first when we first started we the, the guy we kind of had two separate bands on the go mm-hmm. and i think i think did i I either played drums or guitar or both, yeah. and then or something, not really terribly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, as I'm sure you'd expect. And then there was another, yeah. And then and then I just went straight into being the vocalist because I think why why, was, why vocalist? And where did that come from? Is it just you, you were singing to the songs anyway, and you you know you had a powerful voice, and you thought you know what? Uh, I'll just start singing. Well, kind of, but it was also. Matt, who's the lads who house we practice in, he kind of like, you'd be a really good front man because you're a big <laughs> fucking knobhead. So I was like, yeah, yeah, that's about that's about right, really. <laughs> so um, yeah, so um, so yeah, started yeah, so it went immediately straight into being being a singer slash uh, oh. front man. Which um, so do you remember that, that first time singing in front of an, an actual audience at this sort of battle of the bands? <laughs> Yeah, well, that wasn't, it wasn't, it was just in front of like a couple of judges and that was it. Okay. And we won it. So we, we actually won the Battle of Bands. Right. Um, and I think, I, th- actually, I even think Matt still has that certificate somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, cover the album the, like that, yeah. Yeah. But the first, the first, the first proper gig that we played was in the Barfly, but on the middle floor of the Barfly. So they used to do the yes. dry bar events yeah, for the under yeah. 18s. Yeah. So we played, we played that and, um, I remember the, the what did we play? So we played we played some System of a Down, we played system, we played um, we played Toxicity and we played Aerials. Mm-hmm. We also played Chuck. We also played One Step Closer to the Edge, Lincoln Park. Nice. Yeah, and we played I Love to Say Fuck by the Murder Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did, yeah. <laughs> of course you did, and I, and um and. Like obviously we've been our first gig, all of our friends came down, like all the kids we hang around with, you know, obviously the parents and stuff like that came down. And I remember my mum came down with me nan. <laughs> and then like finishing on I love to say fuck and see my nan's face just like because <gasps> they both dressed up like they were going on like a really nice <laughs> obviously come to, come to the come to the middle of the floor in the fucking bar fly. <laughs> ruined it. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you start to play shows, and when did you start yeah. like writing your own material? Then when's that coming? Stra- pretty much straight away. Okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty much straight away. I think um, we had 
Um, there's a video actually I put on my Facebook not too long ago yeah. of a show we must have played when we were, I think it's 2003, 2004, yeah. in Heaven and Hell. Did you remember? Okay, now. Do yeah, you know, you're, yeah, yeah. you're just walking me down memory lane. I played <laughs> in many of these places that you played. I remember upstairs yeah. where you go upstairs. But basically, yeah, ladies, hell, ladies, upstairs, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, the plot for this fucking bar is the best idea for a bar ever. If the bar is called Heaven and Hell, and uh, uh, downstairs is Hell because that's lower, and and upstairs is Heaven, and downstairs is where you, you drink and it's like a DJ and whatever, and upstairs is where the bands play. But it was fucking, oh my life. Um, yeah. It was I played terrible, some interesting shows there. Oh, mate, I played some terrible shows there. Um, <laughs> so, but this video, so this video is, um, it's like it's a song that we have called Vow of the Voiceless. So, which I think we recorded my game nice. when we were 13. And oh, God, it's, it's all, it's all, we recorded in the door, which was like a community led kind of arts, like a place on Renshaw Street. Yeah. And um, like the footage. I mean, to be fair, it's it's not bad it, considering it was done on like a you know a phone with the computer power of a microwave. It <laughs> yeah. was it was like of the early early. I don't even think it was. It must have been like an early ca- digital camera. Um, like it's not. It, it's a proper slice of life into yeah, that yeah, yeah. metal scene. It's, it's a, a local snapshot metal scene of, of that particular time. It, it is. It is. And when you're looking at that, you're like. Wow, like that's what that's what we look like. That's what people did. Like, holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, yeah. So that um, yeah, heaven and hell. Well, okay, I mean, it's motel. It's yeah, it's motel now. It's actually quite a cool bar now. Yeah, it's quite yeah. cool now. Like, yeah, yeah. But I remember seeing like fuck. They used to do band showcases on there, and they'd be like fucking yeah. twenty bands. <laughs> be fucking yeah, it's yeah. Full. It's just fucking oh, fucking insane, like. <laughs> But then, so you are you when you, when do you progress to doing to you know getting an identity as a band as the institution? Then when you do like basically your whole set yeah. of your own songs. So it wasn't too long after that, to be honest with you. I think I think maybe about fourteen was really when we dropped the covers. Right, we stopped doing covers at fourteen, and then started really hammering the shows. I remember. One of the big things that we did, we did a few, um, we won, what was it called? Street Waves. So there's a company in, in the council, Liverpool City Council called Street Waves. Yeah. And what they did, they did like um, a battle of band search for people to come and play the River Festival, but also Matthew Street Festival. And um, so the Matthew Street Festival at the time was Europe's largest open air mm-hmm. free music festival. And so we won this competition. We got to play on the main stage at 14 playing the shit brand of heavy metal that we were playing. <laughs> and we got, and we got thrown on at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Of course you did. So like, of course we did. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, thinking we were the absolute fucking <laughs> dogs bollocks, you know, thinking we were, you know, we were absolute rock stars. And I remember, I think, I think new era, new era had sponsored, stage we got like a load of free new era t-shirts and new era caps and we're just like yeah we've made it guys we've made it yeah <laughs> like <laughs> um, you got like a little rider was, of some some drinks and stuff oh, and things like that yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah but it was but it was around that time when the drummer a guy called niall um not like the band but <laughs> niall yeah um yeah. he um he so i think his mum just stopped him being in the band 
She didn't like him being a man, so he stopped being the man. And so Matt, the guitarist, his 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 brother Chris, who was in the general public, came and started drumming for us. Mm-hmm. So it was it was around about that time when I think we started doing a lot more shows, and um, I'm trying to think like some of the decent supports. I remember us, I remember us supporting the Black Dahlia Murder. Mm-hmm. I remember us supporting Testament. Um, this is around when we were about when I was about sixteen, something like that, and then. Um, a few other, few other really decent supports. I think. Did we? I think we. I think we. Did we support six? We might support six. Um, and I remember it all culminated in 2018 when we released our released our album, which was. Uh, oh, oh, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, in 2018, in 2008, when we released our album into the chaos, and um, um, it just all as soon as we released that, I think I went travelling around Europe for a couple of months, came back. And it all just kind of fell apart from there. Mm. But um, but we did, yeah. I remember uh, it's at this point that, that I slightly entered the story because I this is when I started to see the institution and I was playing mm. in my in various bands that I was in and doing various things that I was in. And I remember being in the Zanzibar one night uh, and I can't remember, I think about five or six bands on. I think Metro may have even been on. And it's a def- Metro would have definitely been, it would have been on because it was open. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. <laughs> I remember you playing first. I think it was two days. If I remember rightly, I, I might be wrong, but you played first. And I watched you and your band, and you came off. And I remember saying to me and my band and another band at the time, I was like, that's that guy's fucking ace. That guy's fucking that's the line. I remember saying something along the lines of that's the level or that's the line or something like that. But you, because ladies and gentlemen, even at even at that small young age, um, Joe was still a pretty tall or pretty big bloke, and he was the first guy I seen in an, in an unsigned band that would would antagonize the audience. And I don't mean that in necessarily a bad way. I mean, in like, if you're watching Joe, you, 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 you can't sit at the back with the, with your pint and, and watch Joe. That, that's, not a, that's not a thing you could do because he will bring the microphone up to you and it, the set will be in front of you. There's, there's nowhere to hide. And, it was, and I, st- I saw, that's how it was, it is now. But I saw the seeds of that yeah, yeah. happen. Did you yeah. kind of, did you kind of, when you started playing, did you, did you just find that that was a natural thing that you did? confrontational and and made you a really big presence because it's like what a lot of um, a lot of the hardcore bands would do you know Um, really kind of draw a reaction well yeah I think so I remember I I can't even remember the conversation or when it happened but it was obviously really early on Um, I remember like uh, because what was the phrase the phrase I think the phrase I use is like my job as a front man is like the the music, people like the music. Music takes care of itself. But my job as a frontman is to make the one person in the room who doesn't want to be there have a really good night, and that is your job. So you kind of look at it like that, and like, okay, so how do I do that? It's like you just got to entertain. It's like how does the so especially when we're, even when we're writing music, it's like how does this look? Not how does it sound, but how if I'm watching this song being played, how does it look? Does it look like I'm stood at the back of the back by the drum kit as the guitarist is stood on the on the front, or does it look like I've just clotheslined an entire fucking boss pit, got back yeah. up and screamed in someone's face? Does that is that what it looks like? Um, so you've got to look at the full package as well, because I think we were even from an early age, we were, I was I was very much aware of that. As as it's it's not just the music, is it? It's it's everything that comes with it. It's the it's um, yeah, you got to 
you also got to sell it. But also, like, it, it's also what it does to me and how I feel the music. It's like, this is what's happening inside of me. This is how I want it. How this, yeah, it's, it's all, yeah, it's exactly how, how does it look? How is that? And then, yeah, you know, I get it, yeah. Because you're, because what you're trying to do is, mm. You're replicating the things that ex- excited you when you see them live and the bands you've seen them live and you want to replicate that, you know, and the, the exciting yeah. things that you've seen and then inject your own personality in there and how you feel about it. So it's, it, it appears genuine, you know, and it appears is, uh, you, that you mean it because that was the, the biggest thing I remember when, when playing in bands was that there was a, a real onus on trying to make sure that you were you were honest and, and you, what you were doing, you, you, you really fucking meant it. You, you, you didn't... You know, didn't phone mm-hmm. anything in. Um, I don't think anybody will ever accuse you of phoning anything in with the institution. Like, um, oh, no. so, well, I, so I mean, you when go, I, when, I mean, I'm just going to say, so like, even, I'm going to say throwing it in. I mean, I've, I've done some, I've done serious damage to myself. I mean, I've, I've seen I've, you, I've, I've, I've seen you fall off. I've seen you, I, I've seen you once in, um, oh, fucking hell, it might have been the picket. Um, I've seen you move a speaker to get up and the speaker just kept going and you kept going with it. And I, and I think oh, yeah. your felon hit your, your, your ribs or something. I've seen that. I, but this, I've done that a couple of times, yeah. yeah. But I, I, broke, I, so I, broke, I broke my knee. So I, I took a, I took, and I had to, I had to have surgery in my knee for it, where um, it was the first song of a set. And um, I think I just twisted my knee and a big chunk of my femur came off. Hmm. And I, I ended up, my mate ended up, I was dressed like Rambo. And my mate was dressed in a, in a, in a boiler suit as Joey Jordison. I remember him coming up to me going, are you all right? And I was like, no, get me a stool. So he gets me a stool and I'm just sat on the stool to finish the show. And uh, the, the set was like 45 minutes. It was in Bar, Fre- it was in Bar Fresher, which, which then became Aloha. Yeah, yeah, it's Bar Fresher. Yeah, 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 downstairs, yeah. yeah. So he's downstairs and he fucking shit all the ball places to break your fucking Fucking very hot as well. That's one, that's one yeah. of the hot, was one of the hottest venues in the fucking world. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like even like all of the like, chipped teeth, um, I broke fingers and just like back open. I've, I've, um, I don't think I broke my nose. Um, I, I usually at the end of the show, I'll have a red mark on my head where I'll from just, the, like, mic. the mic. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a kind of that's a given. That yeah. I remember seeing. Uh, who did it take to see? I, I, one of my friends I took to see uh, Oceanus, and uh, and I said, just watch, watch what he does with his microphone, and the. Their son, you came up to him in his face and and put the microphone in between you and him. And I was like, well, I did tell you that that happened. You know, it's the best thing that happened. So you go traveling after doing the, the album with the institution, and you and you come back. Yeah. You say it kind of falls apart. So what happens is people yeah. lose interest or. Well, I think Chris had gone to uni um, to do maths, and I think we'd there was like an option on the table of whether we were going to take um, potentially take a gap, you know, take a year out and we really hit it hard. And it, instead of doing that, we just, it just kind of, yeah, I think just life kind of took over. It does. To be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. Um, which is no, obviously no animosity towards it whatsoever. It was just, just the way, just the way it happened at the time. Yeah. And um, I think we tried, a, we tried a couple of drummers out and it just never really, it just never really hit the same again, you know? So, um, and our last ever gig as the institution, was in a place called Monochrome, which was on Great Charlotte Street, opposite the what's now the Met Quarter. It'd become a few different things. It's by the nice. where the bus where the bus stops are. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. a venue for like it was like a venue for like a year. Yeah, and it yeah. was in the basement, and like the Riot Girls had done a burlesque show before us, and then we fucking played to like ten people, and then that was our last ever show. Um, oh man, yeah. But hey, listen, absolutely no regrets at all. We had a fucking brilliant time well it's um, it, it's one of those it's one of those bands where you're learning as well 
you know, you're learning promoters yeah, yeah. and the game and you're learning how what you should do. So, so then what's the next throw of the dice then? Is how, how far are we away from promotion? Oh, is, is that next or yeah, so I've, I've only ever actually been in. I was going to say because I only ever remembered the yeah, two. Yeah. So was it was it a long yeah. period of time before Oceana? So it was. What happened? So yeah, so that, that so institution really finished in two thousand nine ish, um, and then Oceanus started. In, so I was living in town. So it was two thousand ten, somewhere in two thousand and ten. Um, where I joined the band because Oceanus had been a band with so the drummer Dave and one of the guitarists Stu um, had had Oceanus running for a few years and a few of the diff- members had been in um, playing different instruments and stuff and they just kind of were just practice room players for quite a, quite a while until um, I think Cliff got on board the bassist and um, and then with another guitarist came in, a guy called JP Paz, who was in, was he in BDV? I think he was in, might have been Black Death Fogger. I think he was. I think he might have been um, in BDV, yeah. Yeah. yeah, really good player. And he, his girlfriend at the time was a girl called Lex, who knew me really well. He said, well, if you're looking for a vocalist, this is, this is your this guy. Is guy yeah. Um, yeah, so I remember coming down for the audition and being like, yeah, this is what I'm about. It's like, okay. And then, yeah, we JP was in the band for, for a few years and then we then JP left and then moved to France and then Phil Dyer came in who was obviously who's is the, the guitarist now and I think how long I don't even know how long Phil's been in the band for it feels like forever <laughs> um, yeah so it's I've been in Oceanus for close to 10 years I think now yeah um, so when you when you started then with Oceanus in your mind did you go okay I'm going to there's some things I definitely want to do with this band or certainly want to do personally within this band. Did you have a remit? Did you set yourself anything? Or you were just like, you know what, I'll just see what happens and let it develop? Um, I think what it was, because I was in, when I started playing, I was with the same group of guys yeah. from from essentially when I first started to when I was 18, 19. Um, and we were good. You know, we weren't, you know, we... We weren't great, but we were we were a decent band, and like the, the guys were decent musicians that I was playing with, and we were writing some really decent songs. So um, I think I, don't, I actually think I, I did audition for a couple of bands, and they already asked me to come and sing with them. Mm. And just the level of musicianship just wasn't there for me. So I, and then I remember walking into this practice, and then Dave just fucking blasting out some sort of ridiculous Sepultura drum beat, and being like, "Right, it's time. I'm gonna play with you. You're good." <laughs> um, and it just ticking all the boxes for me of being like, okay, this is heavy technical music and these are really good lads. Um, so there was never really like an agenda or a, or a, it was just wanting to make heavy technical music that satisfied me. And then if I got to play some really great shows off the back of it, then brilliant. I'm happy yeah. with that. Um, I was under a kind of, and as long as, as long as I could do that, it was great. And anything that came above that was you know, brilliant. Um, but yeah, we've, we've, yeah, I think that, uh, for, certainly yeah. for a lot of people in the northwest and, and you know in, in the metal scene that have been around for as, maybe as long as I have, like yeah, is there's a there's a wonderful um, I don't know mystery is the right word it probably isn't there's a wonderful mystery about Oceanus because is it fair to say that your output is slightly up and down? Is it uh, is, that, is that a is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. I was suggesting yeah. to a friend of mine. 
I suggested to a friend of mine and they were like, I have a look on Spotify for this band you were telling me to check out. What the fuck? There's like, I thought it was four or five albums. And when I click on them, there's like an EP and there's singles. The output yeah. seems, seems erratic. Seems erratic. Yeah. Is that, so, is that just because of your lives getting in the way and, and you record when you can and you play when you can? Is that well, or? yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, there's, obviously, there's always a lot of factors that are involved. But when in the earlier in the earlier time when we we released um, an EQ, and uh, I think e, um, Planets and Totality, I think mm-hmm. Totality was released in 2014, I think, somewhere around now 2015, yeah. um, and um, off the I, th- I think off the back of that. Um, the everything just slowed a little bit because there was kids that kind of well you know guys started having kids and whatever um, and then yeah well yeah yeah of course like just successfully and then and then a lot of the issues is is that when we write songs sometimes i think like with most bands it's it's very rare that we write a song quickly the average writing process for a tune is probably about three months um and then even then after them three months we'll probably there's just so many of that will just never see the light of day and it'll never get played live and never really get finished. And there's hundreds and hundreds of, of recordings and stuff on computers. So it's not like we're not working because actually, if you come and look onto the, the actual, the, 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 one of the, one, the yeah. Studio, one of the things that I've, I've, I've noticed certainly, you know, from the, I know pretty much everybody in the band and who's been in the band this day, there's quite, there's a, a, even more than, than most bands I know, there is a real high level of quality, where it's like you just won't mm. accept anything unless it's it's really really special, you know. Which sounds it sounds strange. Yeah. It sounds odd to say that, doesn't it? You know, we fans won't put anything out unless it's really special. But you really are in Oceanus. I knew when this new song dropped, I knew that it would be something I would have to listen to with headphones on and take in yeah. because I knew that it would be crafted to to to, to, to for maximum effect. Like you know, well, um, that's well, the thing. So it's, well, it's funny you should say that. So we actually especially vocally we tried to take a little bit of step back with the track that was released so one of the things that we have been notorious for when it comes to recording has been um the amount of tracks so we maxed yeah. out cubase we maxed out cubase a couple of times um so we have completed cubase um <laughs> I th- and i think i remember when we recorded totality in sae so we recorded on the neve desk the, there was, I think, one of the tracks ended up having 130 tracks in it, mm-hmm. um, maybe more. I think maybe 30 of them were vocal tracks. So it, it was, it was always like because of, because of, there was so much that I wanted to do and, and so much that we all wanted to do with them. We just had to take that step back and realize that we love a live sound. We're not, we don't play to triggers, we don't play to clicks, we don't have any of that. It's just like if we can't play it live, then it doesn't get recorded. Really, except like obviously the atmosphere, yeah, the yeah, yeah. atmospheric kind of background. Yeah. So that's really so that's low in the mix, um, which is eighty percent of anything you record <laughs> is always low in the mix. Um, and, um, the yeah, so the idea was like we wanted sound. Whilst we wanted to sound polished, finished, amazing, it's got to sound like a real band. Mm-hmm. Um, so with our flesh, one thing that we really did that it was it killed me to do was to really strip down the vocal layers to it. Um, which I think actually really worked for it. Yeah, really it feels as well. Um, yeah. It's yeah, it's a different feel, but it's this, it's it's mm. obviously it's still you. It's still the same delivery, but it's a it's a nice it's a different feel. It, it feels slightly more accessible if I do say so. Um, well, yeah. So that song itself, so it's interesting. 
is All <laughs> Flesh was, was written before I joined the band. Okay. It's actually one of the oldest songs that Oceanics right. has. Um, but it always been like, it was always a relevant song musically, unlike mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff that we had before we would, we had released Planets and before we had released Totality. There's, um, we do actually have all those songs kind of still sat there as like an early, kind of an, an, potentially like an early days EP that could eventually get released. Um, but this, uh, yeah, Our Flesh had been sat there for a long time and it's we really wanted to release it in between what we've just released over the last 12 months um for the, for the universal constant ep which um which the, re- the reaction stats been brilliant yeah um, it's, it's, it, it is fabulous like it's it's with with a, a flesh then now is this just a, is this just one snapshot of something or is it the yeah. lead into something else so yeah so the way the way we tend to work um thematically over over the the stuff we're releasing um so if I take, so if I take it, for example, a Universal Constant EP, which is the four tracks, mm. they that concept was there, solid, spread over them four tracks, which is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mad one. Um, so this, the concept itself was about uh, about the only machine that God ever created. It's a giant mechanical octopus that lives inside the moon um, and regulates the climate on Earth. And then you realize that mankind is destroying the Earth's atmosphere. Um, and then the next song, you realize that actually this nimbus who lives inside the moon is a prison guardian and the earth is a prison and inside the earth is a giant dragon so the water on the earth is a prison bars so as we're destroying the atmosphere we unleash the dragon and the earth cracks like an egg and then the two ethereal beings that have existed for all the time resume their battle then the next song is the race across the universe to across the solar system to pluto and sharon which is a multi-dimensional weapon and used used to used to preset the multiverse. And then the final track, which is the universal constant, is about the restarting of um, restarting of time where everything just happens over and over again. Um, See, this is what I'm sick of. I'm sick of the same boring topics being brought up again and again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure ACDC did that about five years ago. It's just nonsense. Yeah. But that's, yeah, so but it, it how, seems how to be, that, start, yeah. listen, anybody has an introduction to Oceanus is, is that it's complicated but but thought provoking on 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 both a uh, you know an aesthetic level and a musical level, but also the the, the yeah. stuff that you're talking about and the things that they are, are interesting concepts. Clearly born from the stuff that you you listen to. You know you can you can hear then Mastodon implanted in that. You can hear all these ideas oh, yeah, coming, yeah, coming, yeah, coming yeah. into it, which is so it's, it shouldn't come as any surprise. And I think. People are often we're often told in metal that we, we, the, the, we the, the, there's a dumb and down of it that metal there isn't any intelligence in, in metal and we know that that is nonsense and and I often hold up certainly the, the stuff the Oceanus does to people that say that to people that say there's, there's there's nothing really interesting and clever being wrote things like Boss Keloid and yourself are doing stuff mm-hmm. where it's it's interesting yeah, and evolving to me um, mm-hmm. and and I think that's it so then moving into of flesh. Is that, is yeah. that just the snapshot then? Is it just a one idea? So then, yeah, so yeah, so our flesh was just, as I said, just a one shot, um, which um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of self-adulation in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the concept is, um, is that the, the Greek Titan, Oceanus, is returning from the depths to destroy mankind. And so us as a band, are trying to recruit people to the cult of Oceanus to save them from the apocalypse. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Another boy meets girl nonsense, like yeah. another boy, another 
I don't know. Well, wait till I tell you the next one. But um, yeah, that, so that so our flesh, yeah. So it's 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 and one of the lyrics in it is uh, we are not the same, just the flesh, and that kind of is to to, to yeah, it's a it's a kind of a commentary on different ideologies and how you can't tell by looking at people what they believe in. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of fun with that. It's a little bit of fun with that. Um, and just as a one shot, it was a di- it was quite a it's, I mean, it's not a simple concept, but it's quite a straightforward narrative. It's, yeah, you, to get you, off you of can one coalesce song. it to, to being, yeah, what it needs to be. You can get it done, like you say, I mean, in that one song, like you can get that all done. So then, yeah. that, is, that, is that almost like an end point then? So what's the next thing then? What, what are we leading to? Well, well it's, it's not necessarily, this is just the beginning. If not, mm. it, it's just a precursor to the beginning, to be honest with you. Right. Um, so the next thing that we have coming up, which we've just finished, um, recording the first track of, um, which will be coming out, I think, in about two months' time. Um, so we we've, we're going to be releasing music every two two and a half months right. um, up until I think mid twenty twenty two. So our so even though we've been the band that haven't really had done anything, we are now going to be the band that does everything. Um, so the next the next stuff that we have coming up um, isn't as a much bigger concept. Um, in a way that is stuff that I've never really done before. So usually what I've done, it's all about fictitious mythology, about just about straight about the apocalypse, the, the impending doom. Um, so this, the next stuff is, um, it's very difficult to try and describe. Um, so the idea is there are two separate beings, the two separate races. And when, one being reaches reaches a certain age, they metamorphosize to become the other being. So the idea is it's more of a social commentary between the uh, the young and the old, and old ideology versus new ideology. But you you um, the idea is once you reach a certain point of suffering, you have a tipping point where you then become a, an entirely new species altogether. Um, and it's the, the yeah. The whole, the whole, not message because I'm not Keith Lemon, but the the whole, um, the this the narrative of the whole is to try and bridge the gap in between the two. And so ultimately, at the end of the, at the end of the concept or at the end of the the songs, you, we we almost we create, uh, sorry, a new species is created, which is an amalgamation of the two, which again is also a narrative on real world of us creating artificial intelligence um, with both new See, ideas and old one ideas. One of the things well. that, like, you know, talking about, like, in science fiction and, and things like that, you know, and, and fantasy is quite often it's used as parables for how we are in, in normal life. You know, someone like Isaac mm-hmm. Asimov would create something fantastical, but the, the, the lessons that contained within are applied to modern life and, and the normal li- life living and, th- and things yeah. like race and religion and, and segregation and things like that. And, and like you say, things like artificial intelligence and, and the soul and, mm-hmm. and, and that type of thing. And they're, they're incredibly yeah. important things to, and tools to, to do that because it makes it, it's another way of making a point. It's a more involved way of, of, of making, you know, bringing, raising an issue, you know, um, yeah, but it's just something that, 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 that kind of social commentary stuff is not really something I've ever done before. So mm. I kind of haven't having the opportunity to really play about with this. It's been quite interesting. And we've just, yeah, as I say, just finished recording the, the first track of it, which is going to be called Innate. Um, is It's a big, big track. Big <laughs> track. 
yeah, it's nice and big, and and I think that for us is the start of what where we, right. what, where we want to go. So everything that we've done over the last twelve months has almost been to create this platform to stand upon to then deliver. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the you know pretty much all of this has, has come from Phil, uh, Phil Dyer, our guitarist. He's mm. he's he's really really kind of been a bit fed Great up with the fact that we haven't really done. Yeah, oh, what a what a player! Yeah, Great player. Player. what a guy. What a guy he loves a coffee. Yeah, he loves a coffee. Um, he, um, yeah, he's really, he, yeah, he's really, he's really pushed. Is is the pushed thoughts now to because we because we, we can talk about this fantastically that what that's going to translate to in a live situation? Uh, is it simply yeah. going to be a case of playing the songs, or is there going to be a presentation? Is there going to be theatrics? Well, I think- is the you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, don't, I don't know you know if it was up to me if it was up to me I, I would be I would come out with a floor in a mist of fog like like but you, but you like would not standing I suppose yeah yeah, but not, yeah I just think yeah. that you know I think that, that that's one of the things that I'll, I would I'd enjoy seeing even if it was just something like a video DJ type of thing to it like some video presentation to it I think that, that you know that would really I think that's the next, yeah. the next thing for you in, in terms of well, its presentation. I think, I, but in terms of that kind of production side to it, I think um, it almost goes against a little bit of our ethos of being right. pure, raw, live. Um, sure. and I think I, I'd like to think that. Our, I mean, obviously, yeah. Once we get, if and when we ever get to a point where that we're able to do something like that, then brilliant. But I'd like to think that the performance itself of what we're doing is right. is entertainment enough. Um, and but in terms of the next the next stage next steps for us, especially when live comes in, um, COVID's been COVID's been a really strange one for music. As I'm sure you probably discussed yeah. a lot in your podcast. Um, it's give us a, it's give us a lot of opportunity though. Mm. As much as it's it's as much as it's been it's created a lot of barriers. Mm. It's created a lot of opportunity for us, especially if you look at what we've done. Like the the stuff that we released last year. We've actually been sat on the stems for three years. We've done nothing with them. So we had stuff ready. To, it was almost ready to go, and then we just it just never really happened. And so then this happened. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just let's just get them mastered. Let's get a mix, get them mastered, get them out, and just see what just see what the response is. Them had a bit of a plan in place for that, and, and as it's it's ticked over, we kind of realised oh, actually, there's people are interested in this, and and it's kind of culminated in in the, just the, the new release of of our flesh and. You know, and that's that's been you know it was picked up from by metal injection, loudwire, yeah, whatever. Was, yeah. You know, it's you know it's 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 we the response has been really humbling and completely completely um, unexpected. We thought we might get might, might do okay, but not the response that it had done. And and the opportunity, as I say, it's given us until we play our first note live is we can put all the work in to try and build that that audience up mm-hmm. and try and deliver that material and. Be, be the package that people want to invest is, is there a thought, time is there a thought that you would do uh, you would play the, the, the album in full if, 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 the, if the concept was intact uh, you would play it in full? oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean there, there, so look, we're only releasing EPs as such or four track EPs and yeah. so I mean our songs are what six minutes long anyway so it's <laughs> yeah. almost like a fucking minute album anyway. <laughs> um, so we do yeah so these, these we've got to try and find that balance of we don't want to play the old stuff because we're bored of playing it, but yeah. we don't want to play all the new stuff because no one knows that. Um, mm. So it's going to be it's going to be quite an interesting 
Sounds like know. sounds sounds like two sets. You know, maybe one set of uh, with the Sinead yeah. P and another one that's a that's a classics. Yeah, uh, you know, or yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. fan favorites. You know, it's, it's it like is, um, I want to hear what slaying the Manticore. I, I, it has, slaying. Hey, oh yeah, see, I, do, yeah. I, that's that's what I want to hear. You see, so you're gonna play. <laughs> you're gonna have to play that. So yes, you know, <laughs> but it's like so. Something I want to talk, I talk about just quickly before I let you go is the is um, collective and the collective uh, and that whole thing that you're involved in in there. For, yeah. for those that don't know, what what is that? So um, yeah, wow. Um, so I've been involved in hospitality and the bar industry since I was about 15, 16. Um, I've worked, I've run, um, I was a booking and marketing and promotions director for a company that owned a few different venues. So the Jacaranda, um, heebie-jeebies, and we opened phase one, which is like a really decent venue. We have done, re- we had like a, we've got a record store involved in there as well. Um, we had a few other bits of businesses. Um, and then I've worked in a bunch of other hospitality venues and basically met up with my mates and was like, it's time that we do something. Let's go do something. And so we've got this hospitality concept on the Seal Street. Uh, the building is it was falling apart when we got it. Um, it's going to be five different independent venues inside one, under one roof. Uh, we've opened a bar and a cafe in there so far. The building actually, good funny you should ask me, as building work has just started today on getting the roof terrace ready for the next couple of months. And then we've got two other units that are going to be something else, but which we don't know quite what yet. Um, but it's, it's a, it's big. It ain't small fish. It's a big building, like it's a big, and it's um, yeah. That that we're coming up. It's about eighteen months since the first sat down to open it, and then we opened it in November twenty nineteen. Um, and what a year to have our first year of trade. When March comes along, we're just kind of getting getting under the swing of what we're doing, and and it all just kind of goes to tits up. Um, but what's been great is like when we have been allowed to open the response to what to the to the bar itself and to our cafe it's been absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. um, so we're just hoping that when we are allowed to open as, as and when whenever that may be whether it's the dates that they give out it's probably not going to be um, yeah we can we can continue to to have a bit of fun with it um, it's it, people always ask me of whether you know what can it, can their band come and play for me and the thing <laughs> is I, I say the same thing about listeners like I've, I've run music venues there is no money in opening a music venue and it's my first venue I need mm. to make some money yeah so, um, so eventually down the line I think I'll probably have a yeah, get some sort of smaller music venue um but we do like a, you know, have like a bit of a jazz night and we get like a cool jazz band playing and stuff. But in terms of the original stuff, unfortunately, right now, it's not really. <laughs> you've got to survive. You've got to eat, Joe. <laughs> so you've Man, got to... I'm sure I, 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 I was watching fun, yeah. the, the whole process from what the stuff that you're posting about kind of building from mm. it being like bricks and falling down, like you say, to right yeah, the way up yeah. to launch it and all the, the branding and stuff that went into it. I know mm. I, how incredibly hard you've, you, you've worked with that. And then to see the COVID thing, oh, I was just like, I just hope just, I just hope you just get to do it, which I knew you would because we're at the end of it now and you know we can hopefully yeah. start it's, it was a tough first year fucking hell it was the toughest first year you could ever have um, it, know, it, it was but as I say the response and the, yeah, the, the people the being community the was superb, been great yeah. So, yeah, and, and yeah. actually it just goes to show you that you know it's uh, it, there, there, there is a willingness to help 
venue survive through, throughout this one. There's no doubt in my mind that you will, and and, and we can, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing that. And that's called collective. Anybody that is or plans to go to Liverpool. Um, yeah, well. that, that's called Collective I, I, I really do recommend it as well it's a very very cool place I didn't think Joe could pull off cool and he has <laughs> I, know he can pull, I know he can pull off metal I know he can shout and be aggressive but I didn't know he could be cool as well and I was like oh shit it's, it's really cool isn't it you know so it looks like a proper bar Joe <laughs> it does it looks, looks like real, a bar. I've got, you know, I've got uh, I've got old theatre seats from the Royal Court in there as well. So yeah, it's a cool venue, man. It's cool made venue. with love, man. It's made with love. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but lots of lots of sweat and lots of blood and many tears. Yeah, that's it. That's the only way to do it. And listen, it, yeah, it's, how, how cool has it been, ladies and gentlemen, to have Joe on the show? We finally got him on. I know a lot of people wanted me to to speak to him anyway. And he was on the card. He's he's been on the list for a long time, and he's a hard man to get hold of because he's busy getting shit done. But it was it was super nice to have. To Joe, we're gonna have let's have Mont back on again, eh, ladies and gentlemen. We've got, we've got to do that. But, ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy, Angie, thank you oh, very much, Thank you very much. It's cool. So nice there to catch up with uh, with Joe. That went down some roads we never thought I'd talk about and Eminem and stuff and things that we, we, we didn't think, didn't think Butler Mud would get the coverage they did. But there's a lot of fun that it definitely, uh, definitely get Joe on the show again, as I say about quite a lot of the guests because we just don't have enough time. I really, you know, these these could, can often be a lot longer conversations if, if we let them go and just get, so it's best to kind of separate them and revisit them at other times. I'll put links to Oceanus's new stuff um, with, obviously with this podcast as well. I ch- suggest you check out everything they, they've done. They've got such a high bar of quality. I don't think there's such a thing as a bad Oceanus song um, and I cannot wait to see them live. Um, I'm going to try and pop in and see Joe as well at the collective when it's open again and see how that's going for him. It seems like a really excellent endeavor, really, really uh, just a great place. And uh, here's hoping we can see Oceanus live very, very soon. That's going to happen, folks. That will happen. Shows are coming back. It's starting to, the engine's starting to power up again. Things are starting to, 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 to be made possible. And then we will get to that point where I will be able to say, and give you a time and a date when it's going to happen, but I will see you at the show.